to the Single Girl's Guide to Life, your weekly guide to single life living in your 20s and 30s. I'm Chantel the Coach, a quarter life and confidence coach for single women that are looking to own their relationship status and make sure that they enjoy their single life right now through making friends, making sure that they're going after their dreams regardless of their relationship status and just not letting anything get in their way. It's all about taking care of yourself, personal development and going for what you want in life. And in today's episode, I want to talk about something that is vitally important to absolutely everybody, which is mental health. It sounds very general to start tackling the idea of mental health because there's so many caveats to it. Now, let me disclaimer this, and this should be a disclaimer for the entire podcast, that I'm not a medical expert. I am a life coach. I've previously been a teacher of mathematics, but I don't actually have a degree in medicine. I've got an A-level in psychology, which did spark some interest in psychology and understanding that. I speak when I talk about mental health from what I have read and what I have understood in that sense. And it's important to note that whenever you read any information or listen to anything, you've always got to question how far you trust whoever you're listening to. And I speak on today's episode, as mentioned, based on what I've read and come across, what I've heard in the podcast I listen to as well, and my personal experience that I add in as a way of explaining what I did when we then apply it to single life because I was listening to the Diary of a CEO episode that Stephen Bartlett hosts and it was the Michael Acton Smith episode if you haven't listened to it I highly recommend it he is the CEO I believe it is of Calm the app and there was a few little bits within that but the whole point of Calm and many of those kind of meditation apps or anything like that was to help with the massive problem with mental health one of the stats that he gave out is that one in four people will be challenged by their mental health and have a mental health issue but his point in that was is that we all have mental health to be looking after at any given moment we will have good experiences bad experiences good days bad days but when you are single there are elements I believe that you are more susceptible to And I wanted to address some of those today, talk about some of the general ideas that might help you maintain a good level of mental health, but also whether you've experienced it before or not, to be aware of your mental health and if it's going down and not coming back up. It's absolutely correct that it should fluctuate. We cannot be in good health all the time because we have this thing called life that goes on around us. We're going through experiences every single day. All the exchanges we have with people, the way someone said something slightly off that plays on our mind if we're not careful, that can trigger a set of then ongoing thoughts that then stress us out, that cause anxiety and then build up in that way. Mental health is got a lot of attention over more recent years and even from an education perspective I saw that in classrooms because it's now got its place within the PSHE curriculum and people are more aware of it we're using the language a lot more but it also means that there's a lot of misuse of the language sometimes too when we feel anxious we then say that we have anxiety when there's a very distinct difference to my understanding between the two you can have that feeling that doesn't mean that you have a medical diagnosis of anxiety and the same for depression when feeling low about something 
it's that idea of making sure that we're using the right language and understanding what we're saying. But an awareness of it in general is great. You know, just because we've got things that aren't quite working out doesn't mean it's not a bad thing at all. It is worth the fact that we now talk about it a lot more. Now, as women, this isn't a super brand new thing for us. It's actually more common for us to deal with mental health problems and get help with it than men because of the traditional stance that men are the protectors they should keep things to themselves they should be looking strong all of those shoulds are in inverted commas there we've got a lot of work to do there as a society to realistically help men more so with their mental health but that doesn't mean that our mental health is any less it just means that they're not maybe quite as inclined to get help whereas we Ah, and listening to a podcast episode like this is just one of those ways and then going away and applying the elements. So the obvious thing when we are single is that element of loneliness can set in. Human connection is one of those things that is vitally important to us. I have said it again and again on this podcast or any of the live chats if you've ever been in them. But Lost Connections, the book that we're currently reading throughout February for the Single Girls Book Club, talks about some of this element and the connection to people as a way of reconnecting our lives. And in the context that Johan Harry explains it is within depression and how that causes a disconnect. I don't think you need to have a diagnosis of depression to have experienced feeling a disconnect from the world from work from the people around you I think that can be commonplace for everybody and even more so commonplace if you are thrust into a situation where you are single and even more so when you're single and live alone which when I think about the people in the pandemic that were in that scenario and were told that they couldn't go and see anyone there was a time when they weren't allowed to pretty much see anybody at all I find that incredible that that was going on even during the coronavirus pandemic. And whilst over in the UK here, we had bubbles eventually that helped that, there must have been a time where those that were single living alone found that really difficult, especially if they were then working from home or maybe even worse still, not working from home, being on furlough. If you've listened to the video diary style YouTube videos that I've put, I've spoken about the how useful work can be to us and to then have that taken away and not have that kind of intention and purpose might have even added to it. So that element of being alone, having to do everything and not have someone there consistently like you do if you are in a relationship. And by being there, I mean potentially just at the end of a phone. And whilst that one person can't always be there for you, they are, from my experience, there for you the majority of time when they can be. And also in the physical terms of when you actually then live with someone and you've got someone to help you when, you know, the bed needs changing and you just can't today or something around the house needs doing. Now, when we face practical struggles like that, it's massively important that we remember that we're always just trying to do our best. You can only ever be asked to try and do your best at any given moment. And sometimes we are our biggest critic. In actual fact, we need to be the ones looking after ourselves and realising that this doesn't have to be done today. There are going to be some things in your life that do need to be done right there and then or ASAP. But if the bed feels like it needs changing 
and you don't have the capacity to do that whilst you're living on your own and doing absolutely everything else, then don't change it today. Another day, another two days isn't going to be the end of the world. And being kind to ourselves in those moments is important. It's hard. It's easier said than done because we hold ourselves to high standards. We want the best from ourselves. We feel we should be able to do that. We should be able to keep up with people and the way they're looking after their houses and themselves. But taking that moment to acknowledge that today is not the day. And maybe you just dedicate the time elsewhere. You say, it's not happening today. I will do it tomorrow. And you schedule it in. You make it part of the day. Things like that are just very small shifts that we can be doing to forgive ourselves when we haven't got as much help as we might need. Previously, all the way back, you were living in tribes and things got done collectively. You know, modern day families potentially work together if you've set it up correctly, particularly couples, you know, sharing the chores and, and dishing it out and not having to do the worst bits if you manage to get the right kind of complimenting of people liking ironing and liking washing and separating those out. Forgiving yourself and just taking a step back that you don't have to be keeping up with everybody all the time. For example, my house was a mess for a week when I was having a week. It was horrendous. It was horrendous. There was no inviting around of any people to make it happen because there just wasn't the time or the capacity to do it. And instead, I just focused on doing a little bit each day to sort it out, to take my time. And other adjustments like not being on social media so much. That's a big one for everyone. The amount of time that you can lose as a single person to social media or media in general, Netflix. It's not a problem to unwind with those things. But it is a problem if you are losing four hours when you only intended to sit down for one to do those things. That's where it becomes a problem. Or, and that's where you have to watch your mental health as to how much time are you losing to that where you're then not keeping up with the house because you're just sat on your phone or because you're just sat in front of a television. There is some disconnect happening there that we're not getting the meaningful time that you need for other things and you're maybe drained by work or you're drained by the people around you. It could be a number of different things. Actually spotting what's causing sort of a dip in your mental health is important to be aware of too. Being aware of it means that you can start to make adjustments to it and address it where possible. But dealing with it is what we're kind of looking at today in that sense of things. Another element of that kind of part of mental health is acknowledgement. You could distract yourself with a film and be fully into it and watching it. But the problem is, is that if you have that mental health dip, if you feel lonely, anxious, worried, whatever it might be, and you distract yourself, all it does is delay it. Some people would recommend distraction. I think there's sometimes when it's the right thing to do, in the sense of if there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Is it though? Hmm. Does it just always delay it to a little bit later? Does it make you feel better in the moment, but realistically it comes back the minute that film has ended? The minute that you've given up on looking at something on your phone that was really, really interesting and learning about it, does it just slowly creep back in? Actually acknowledging it is one of the steps to take 
And it's acknowledging it in the way that makes most sense to you, how you name it, how you express it, how you decide the feeling sits within you. Because pretending it's not there is problematic because you're just pushing it down. And you might have done this a number of times. I, I would say I've done it since a child, if I'm completely honest. I can probably do it very well when I want to. But actually sitting then with that feeling after acknowledging it is much harder because all you want to do is make that difficult feeling, that uncomfortable feeling go away. When in actual fact, by pushing it away with something else, you're just creating more fear around it. You're creating more worry and stress about that happening than embracing it and actually feeling it out to the full extent of what happens living through it and then letting it subside naturally to then deal with it in an appropriate way. Now, obviously, if you have some sort of mental health crisis where you are no longer safe, then you need to seek assistance with a medical professional quickly, whether that's calling 111 or anything more severe, Samaritans or anything like that. If you are having a mental health crisis, that's completely different. We're talking about the ebbs and flows here of that feeling creeping in and having those lower days versus higher days, not at a point where we're at a big problem that could lead to really negative outcomes if it didn't get intervention as it's needed. Being able to express it is important. I think when you live on your own and you don't have that person to come home to or that person at the other end of the phone to message necessarily, I think this is what matters quite heavily and it's why I advocate for a number of these things so much. You have to get it out of your system and journaling can be really good for this. Journaling is just the expression of what's gone on, how you're feeling and uh, another element to journaling is to then explore that feeling and think about why but in that moment just getting it down and expressed is important and that can be useful. That can do it for some of you. That All it takes is just you to take a step back from absolutely everything that's going on, find a quiet space, sit down and write out how you're feeling, naming it, describing what's happening. And if you really want, deciding why you think it's happening. Now, for those of you that don't feel confident doing that, this is the kind of place where therapy is really, really useful. Therapists are there to help you spot why you are thinking that same pattern and where those ebbs and flows are coming from. And if you're finding them tough, then therapy is a long-term way to treat that. It's the way to start processing it and understanding it. And through understanding, we can then accept it more and work with it better if there are underlying things causing it or situational things. When I was polling my audience on Instagram earlier I asked how many people had had therapy and it was about 70 something percent 74 percent I believe it was the last I checked 24 percent had said no 76 percent had had yes so lots of people are used to this idea of talking it out and I think therapy is interesting if you can't get it through the NHS then obviously you go private if you've got the funds to do that it's that element of being able to talk it out with someone for someone else to point things out to you to raise your awareness around things. And then maybe later you can journal alongside that or you can journal 
after it once you feel that you've got tools that help you and that's what therapist does as well gives you the tools to manage some of those situations even when it does get more challenging but they help you spot things and the thing that a therapist does as well they validate you they hear what you're saying and they're able to give you some information that goes with that and it brings me on to another element which I've spoken about before and have individual podcast episodes on as to how to develop it but this is why your friends matter so much in your single life the way of managing your mental health within the loneliness aspect and even when you're feeling worried about nothing to do with being on your own but worried about work worried about your actual um like how healthy you are in a different sense to your mental health your physical health is having people that you trust and can talk to there is so much power in being able to talk to someone about it and yeah therapy may not be available based on the nhs and the waiting lists or based on funds for private there are helplines that you can call for in the moment sort of support as well but actually these are the kind of times when your friends are vitally important to being part of your life and supporting you they can't be there all the time just like a partner shouldn't have to be there all the time either though there is slightly more onus on those there but for those of us that don't have that partner this is where friends and or family are vital and this is where you have to be the one to step forward initially to get them on board with this because absolutely no one can see your mental health they might suspect it through some of your behaviors chances are you're covering at least some of it. Because if you are having a bad day, you're probably not walking into work crying or you're probably not showing that sicky feeling you have in your stomach if it's anxiety and the worry. They might notice that you're biting your nails, picking at your nails or that you don't seem like you're concentrating. But no one can see your mental health and no one can know what you're going through at any moment if you don't fully express it. And so... Finding just a few friends to express that to and admit that to makes all the difference. Because one, sharing it, just like journaling, just like going to a therapist, sharing it means that you're acknowledging it more solidly. You're saying, this is how I'm feeling. And just like a therapist, you're getting acknowledgement. You're getting more than a journal can do. You're getting someone confirm it in some way to you if you're choosing the right people to talk to validation of how you are feeling and the situation you are in and in that sense depending on the people you've chosen to speak to you might even get that confirmation that you're not the only one that is feeling that way or that has felt that way people often share their experiences whether that's the right thing to do in the moment or not who knows but It can be that you suddenly realise that the way you were feeling is exactly how that person was feeling too when they were single or when they were going through that difficult time. It didn't look like that because they didn't share it with you. Maybe they had a partner and it went all their way or they've got a really solid family system and they went that way. That doesn't mean that you can't go to them and ask for help from them. And in fact, by asking for help, you're validating some of the trust you have 
with that friend, that connection you have. And friends, true friends, will step up. In fact, lots of friendly people, even if they don't know you all too well, will be there for you at least in that moment. But your friends will then start to know how you actually feel. And having this network of people around you is vital. We can't survive on our own. It's not how we're built and designed. We can do lots of things on our own. We can manage a lot of things on our own. But as humans, we need human connection. We need social interaction. We do need exchanges with other people. It's built into us. And that's what Lost Connection starts to look at in some ways. It's one of the ways to reconnect. And there are many more. And Johan Harry goes into it in much more detail than I ever could on a podcast without just reading the book out to you. But in terms of managing that ourselves, being aware of those things, you know, taking it easy on ourselves, making sure we talk to people. And so when you're living your single life and you do live alone, you have got to put the social occasions in. This came from the unexpected joy of being single where she said, I believe that she puts in four social occasions a week specifically to make sure that she goes out and sees people. I also have shifted to this too since changing my job to having a very flexible job. I have fixtures in my calendar with people that are in every week and then I've got more flexible fixtures. It is needed. I don't know what I'd be doing without those in there. My goodness, I need them. I need them and other people need that too. So when I read that in her book, I was like, in Catherine Gray's book, might I add, I was like, it's absolutely what I've done. And it's what she did too. Because you need it. When you're on your own, you have to. And that's where the idea of the Single Girls Club came from. There have been new events just added. We've got one in London. We've got another one in Chelmsford. And all the online events as well. Sometimes that can just make all the difference too. Now, I also want to mention something that Michael Apton-Smith also said in the Diary of CO podcast, which is that he believed these were the foundations of looking after yourself. And I just wanted to share that as another thing, because we've delved into one of them, which is the third one he mentioned, which was mind. But he named these four as the foundations for looking after yourself at any given time. And that was nutrition, exercise, looking after your mind and sleep. Now, I've delved into this one today in some, I mean, delved. I mean, really, I've scratched the surface. There is so much more to looking after your mind. I haven't even spoken about meditation. But that can be part of a journaling practice. There are so many different ways. But my message for you here is to think about those four. And within that mind one, when you're considering your mental health, be aware of it. Lean into it. And talk about it. Talking is underrated. And as I say, traditionally men have a tougher time at this compared to women. So we've got a little advantage there that apparently we do a lot more of it. I'll be the first to hold my hands up and say, absolutely not. That is not my previous history with that. I will keep it to myself and I will deal with it myself. Not so much in the last two and a half years. That was kind of the trigger point of not doing that anymore. That doesn't mean I find it easy when things get more difficult. I still have those struggles and those challenges to face. But in every time I reach out and someone proves that it's okay to talk about it, because you can only go by the experiences you're having, 
validation you're getting, the more confident I get it. And that's why I want to urge you to talk about it. It doesn't even have to be the worst thing in the world. You can just literally say, I am struggling today and ask for help. There is nothing wrong with asking for help if you need it and your friends will be there and step up for you. So see how you go over the next week, the next month, the next few months. And when you're finding it difficult being on your own and single, don't turn to those dating apps. I swear to you, they are not the answer. They will distract you. Absolutely. They're brilliant at distracting you. But that is not solving the issue of what's happening right now. You need to reach out to someone, therapy, your journal, a friend, and ask for some help. Look after your mental health. Take it easy on yourself and don't hold yourself to such high standards that other people are all the time. Remembering that social media is not the truth. It is never the truth of the matter. It's what people want to show. Even if you see a bit of vulnerability, sometimes it's not everything. No one is putting 100% of their life online ever. Let me know on Instagram how you get on with managing your mental health and how you use some of the tips from today. If you want to join in with the Single Girls Book Club, then you can be reading Lost Connections by Johan Harry. There will be a link in the description and there's usually a link in my Instagram and TikTok bio to join in with that and to grab the book. And we'll be discussing that on the first Sunday of March. Until next time, keep thriving.